and that's the game within the game, you know, when um, before the game even starts, the opposing team is, is already thinking about how they're going to uh, try to be more, try to be efficient uh, playing against me, which means you already have the other team changing their way of playing before the game even starts. That was Rudy Gobert. I'm your host, Marnie Gellner, and this is Wolves Plus. I'm on the hustle for the glory, on the grind for the crown. Not to hustle if you want to, if you do, you're going down. Oh! Great catch, great finish. Towns to Gobert. Come on now. That's playing with flow. Towns for three! Carl it is Carl Anthony Towns for quarter. certainly is. Edwards, spinning and finishing! Rudy, you were born in St. Quentin, a town in northern France, population about 55,000. What was life like in St. Quentin growing up? It was great. You know, it's a small town. Um, it's kind of like a blue-collar town, you know, back in the days. Mm -hmm. uh, very industrial uh, town. So, uh, yeah, just a uh, very modest, very modest place. And, uh, you know, I grew up mostly with my mom. And, uh, you know, it was uh, great, great memories. Yeah, good childhood. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was great. There's a picture that I've seen of you on your Instagram where you're in a karate uniform and you're standing on a chair. You must be like eight or nine years old. Were you into karate and martial arts at that age? I did, uh, I did some karate a few years before basketball. And uh, I did... Uh, I liked it. I liked it. I think I went until the yellow, yellow the, belt, the yellow belt. Mm -hmm. and then um, I just switched. So uh, I think after karate, I went to to boxing, mm -hmm. and uh, after boxing, that's when I started basketball. Okay. Did you ever think about pursuing boxing, or I would mm -hmm. assume boxing would be more something you could pursue as a career? Like, was, were you that into yeah, it? Yeah, I, lo I, I loved boxing, um, but one day I just kept. Uh, I kind of, um, I was playing around with, with, with toys at the house and with a cutter, with a, a ball cutter. Okay. And I, and I sliced my, my left hand. And, um, and I remember that day I had, I had a boxing practice. And, uh, and obviously, like, we went to the emergency room and I had to get uh, stitches on my hand. Mm -hmm. and, and, and after that, you know, I, did, I couldn't box for... Couldn't get the gloves uh, on, think, probably. Yeah, you know, because I still had the, the stitches on my hand. So um, I just never boxed again. I mean, until later on, but I, I, I stopped boxing. And, uh, and that's a few months after that when I, I started playing you basketball. Because you have since, in your NBA career, used boxing as like a training, right? To get your body ready and yeah. quickness, hands, feet, all I mean, all I, that. I train boxing. You know, I train like a, like a fighter. I, tra I train, I, I don't spar because, I, you know, I... It's not great for my brain, and if I get hit, yeah. you know, it's not great for my basketball career. But uh, I train with uh, real trainers, and uh, and uh, and I love, you know, I love it. I love to learn about, you know, uh, different other sports, and uh, and boxing is one of my favorite ones. Do you have an, an advantage because of your reach, like the length of your reach in boxing? Is that a big deal? Uh, yeah, I think if uh, you were to spar, like if you yeah, were it is a, it is a big advantage for sure, and uh, you know, obviously, I'm pretty quick too for my for my. For my height, I'm pretty strong, so mm -hmm. 
um, you know, obviously the the, the rich. Uh, yeah, in boxing, you, you almost uh, got me there. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's why the the the, the, the trainer t- always tells me, say, say, them you would be, <laughs> you would be a problem. Yeah, if you chose to go yeah. that route, you are very close to your mom. Right. Her name is Corrine. Mm-hmm. Corrine. And when you were younger, she worked as a hairdresser. She raised three kids as a single mom. Do you have memories of like going to her salon or sitting in her, her chair? Or did she? So she didn't really skin? have a salon. She was just doing like small little jobs uh, here and there, you know. And uh, and uh, she was more doing the hairdressing even before before mm-hmm. me. So I remember her like going to do manicures or things like that but it was more like small little jobs she didn't work in a in a salon okay okay you have two older siblings and you had said in an article Mm -hmm. my mom sacrificed a lot for me to be able to do the things i wanted to do and sometimes even just for all of us to eat what was your mom's work ethic like what do you remember i mean just uh just figuring it out you know she was always finding a way to to make sure that we have food on the table and uh yeah, I remember just uh, a few times we went to the food, like the f- local food bank uh, to, oh, really? to get some food, yeah. But I also remember that I never lacked, you know, uh, anything. Mm-hmm. Like I was always, uh, we lived in a small like project apartment, but uh, I was really good. I was, you know, never missed a meal. Uh, and uh, and yeah, went to, went to public school, but... Uh, in France, public school is a little better than in America when, like, you can, it's really the same. It's almost the same as a private school. Okay. It's just the program is the same. Like, the, the, I feel like you can really get, get a really good education in public school. And, um, and yeah, went to public school and went great. Yeah. Did you, do you feel like you knew back then that you didn't have a lot? Were you aware of that? Or not um, only looking back? I, do, I did, but I, I was never, I've never been focused on that. You know, and uh, yeah, I was really happy, you know, and some of my friends had big houses and uh, some of my friends did not. And I never really, I never had any of that in my heart, uh, any uh, jealousy, any jealousy or, yeah. or any, uh, you know, I was just really, I was just really aware of the situation and I was really grateful every time I had something, yeah. but never really, yeah, it was you know, comparing myself to other people and, you know, uh, I was just really happy. Yeah, just yeah I was really just going to say, it sounds like you were and, happy. You were taking care and, uh, of you. And uh, I remember telling myself that, you know, one day I'd be able to, yeah, to, to, to do whatever I want and uh, be able to take care of my family. Mm-hmm. And your dad's name is also Rudy. Mm-hmm. He is from Guadalupe mm-hmm. originally and played basketball at a small college in New York. Marist. In yeah. the 1980s. Yes, yes. And he did not get drafted into mm-hmm. the NBA, which I know was really hard for him. He ended up playing professional basketball in France, which is where he met your mom. Mm-hmm. And you have said before, if he had gone to the NBA, I wouldn't be here. It's destiny. I mean, it's true. It's true. You know, life is uh, works in a very mysterious way. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes sometimes something bad happens. Something you think is bad think happens. Bad, and yeah. You know, you never know what uh, what is going to create in your in your life, you know, in your journey. So, obviously, my dad, you know, he he went through a lot in his career, and you know, for a lot of reasons, didn't get to to to, to get drafted, and um, ended up playing professional in France, and that's where he met my mom, and you know, they were together for I think three three or four years, 
and um, and then I was born. You know, so mm-hmm. it's a uh, yeah, it's a interesting journey. And your parents would split when you were young, when you were three, and then you stayed living with mm-hmm. your mom, but you stayed close to your dad, and you would call or he would call you. Like you guys would try to talk on the phone yeah. weekly. Is that how you stayed in touch? I mean, my, my dad had to, had to go back to Guadeloupe when I was yeah between I think between two and three years old. So um, for me, like I don't. I didn't really have memories of didn't feel the, the 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 miss the miss of my dad because it's not like when you're five six years old and you really you know if you grow up with your dad you really miss him obviously mm-hmm. when he's gone but for me it was just like uh, I was used to being with my mom and my mom did an amazing job making sure that I was able to talk to my dad uh, you know pretty often yeah and keep him in your life even mm-hmm. if he wasn't there yeah, physically yeah, yeah. so he, he was in Guadeloupe and obviously for to go from France to Guadeloupe was really expensive because it's kind of like a vacation destination, sure. uh, kind of like Hawaii for Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. like a, yeah. it's a French colony and it's a it's a seven-hour flight, so it's a destination where people go to to, to vacation because it's a, it's a lot of beaches and you know it's 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 a really nice place. So yeah, just so uh, it's not like you're flying there every couple of no, months. That's just we were going there every enough. every three years. You know, mm-hmm. we found a way to go there for the, for a few weeks during the summertime, and and it was great. But uh, during the whole year, like I was, my mom was making sure that I was able to talk to my dad. Well, at some point, you find basketball. I had read in 2003, about 11 years old. That's when you started playing basketball. Were you good at basketball just like that at 11? No. No, no. <laughs> it took a minute. It took a minute, but the one thing that I. I remember is that I was really having fun, you know, and I, I, I remember really early, like, really wanting to get better and better and better. And um, and that was the first time I was doing a sport when I was, like, I couldn't wait for the next, you know, the next oh, practice. Really? Like, I was going home and I was like, oh, we got practice in two days. I can't wait, you know. So, obviously, like, after the second year, I started to get uh, detected, you know, in the... Um, kind of like the the, the region, mm-hmm. the the local sure. like yeah. best young talents, and then I was able to to get into an academy. Uh, so when I was 13 years old, I, I went to a basketball academy, and I was only coming home on the weekends. So okay, so was that Cholet? No, that Cholet? was before Cholet. So that was in Amiens. Okay. Uh, and it was about an hour drive from Saint Quentin, and so I went there, and I was there like I was sleeping there during the week, going basketball. Two practice a day plus the school, and uh, and then coming home on the weekends, and then we had the game uh, in the weekend. Okay, and this is at like 12, 13 years old. I was thirteen. So between thirteen and fifteen. How big of a transition was that to at that age mm-hmm. to not be living at mm-hmm. home except on the weekends? I mean, it, it was um, it, it was tough, but I remember that I knew what. I, what I wanted to become, I knew where I wanted to go, and I knew that that was the path that I needed to to take. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, obviously, I think it was even tougher for my mom because when your your last kid is thirteen and he leaves home yeah. and only comes back in the weekend, um, you know, I remember that it was tough for her. And uh, for me, I was so focused on you know the moment, focused on the getting better, focused on working hard at school and uh, in basketball. Like it was. You know, just uh, kind of like on a mission. I was on a mission, and when I was 15, then I was able to get an opportunity to, to, to get in Cholet, which was the next step of the journey. 
Okay. So that is considered professional basketball, right? At, with Cholet? No, not, quite. not yet. Okay. So is there a junior team and a senior yeah, team? Yeah. So okay. there's a. So we call them like uh, formation centers in, in France. Like this yep. is mm -hmm. where the places where uh, you have a professional team, but they also have a youth program. Okay. When you can. So it's like a, a division, yeah. a, a lower division of that. So it's like a kids that are like teenagers that are good and that are potentially have a chance to become one day professional, mm -hmm. like go into those academies and, you know, and then only a few make it to professional and then only even fewer make it to the NBA. So for me, I knew that Cholet, obviously like I, I got uh, rejected from most of the different academies and from the national, the INSEP, which is the National Institute where the Tony Parker, both uh -huh, DR, like uh -huh, uh -huh. most of the best French players went. So I went to do the, the trial and they didn't take me. And I went to do trials in a lot of different cities, in the best academies in France, and most of them didn't take me, but Cholet uh, gave me my chance. And uh, I remember telling myself that, you know, um, we're going we're gonna to do it this way. And, uh, and Cholet, I mean, it was um, a place that was known for finding some uh, rare talents and be able to mm -hmm. have them drafted. They had Rodrigo Bobois in the NBA, Nando De Colo, Kevin Serafin that played for Wizard. I mean, mm -hmm. Michael Jelabar. I don't know if you know all those names, but it's, those are guys that yeah. mm -hmm. got drafted sure. uh, in the NBA, which is already a big, a huge accomplishment in French. And so when, when you tried out for other teams mm -hmm. and they didn't take mm -hmm. you, is that motivation to you and, and anger to you? <clears> and I'll show them. I remember especially the, the the National Institute for me was a big um, deception. I remember getting the letter that I wasn't, you know, uh, select, uh, selected and yep. I, was, mm -hmm. I was, you know, crying and, uh, and uh, my mom was like trying to comfort me and, and, uh, and then uh, a few minutes later I got the call from Cholet, from uh, Jean-François Martin, which is the guy that was following me uh, during those years and um, yeah, he told me that he wanted, would love to have me in Cholet, and uh, and I remember telling myself that okay, like that's that's the that's how I'm going to become professional. I'm going to go to Cholet. I'm going to work hard, and hopefully, uh, you know, become professional yeah. and get drafted to the NBA. Did was it common at all in France, or did anyone go to high school in the United States? Was that a possibility or an option or something you thought about? Usually, not really high school, but uh, some French guys go to college more like college mm -hmm. in, the, in the United States and and uh, you know because they, they, they like the uh, they like to get the uh, American education and then be able to go to the NBA through uh, through the NCAA yeah, sure but uh, we always thought that it was better for me and to, to go through uh, playing pro first and then you know go from pro to to the NBA, especially in Cholet, because we had a few guys that had French guys that had done it before. So, you know, for me, uh, the option was always there to go to college. But uh, once I started to get better and better and better, and I was 18, and I got a chance to start practicing with the pros, uh, it was clear for me that I, I wanted to become pro and then get drafted from there. Okay, and that's exactly what you did. That's, That's what exactly you did. what I did. Yeah. Yep, in 2013, the 27th mm -hmm. overall pick, and you still wear jersey number 27. Is that a motivator for you, that draft position? 
maybe not anymore, but it was, it was. For, for many years. And, uh, and yeah, for me, it was, he just, like, he just fitted the journey, you know, being always taking the back door to, which is 27th, it's not really the back door, but always, you know, um, yeah, I've been a lot of doubts around me sure. and, you know, a lot of people not believing in my, it, what I could become, what I could do. And, uh, it always pushed me to to just work harder and harder and harder and uh, and I wasn't I've never been the most talented but you know I was always the most relentless and nervous and today this is the mindset that I keep you know when when there's a lot of doubt when there's a lot of uh, um, adversity like you just go harder and harder and mm-hmm. you know uh, and you never quit and then good things happen yeah that's that's what got you there mm-hmm. um, because your dad was a basketball player and did not get drafted, was disappointed, you become the 27th draft pick. And I had read in an article you had said about your dad's response to this. It means everything to him. I can see how proud he is to watch me on TV. I feel like I'm living his dream. I'm carrying his dream that he wasn't able to fulfill. That is a really huge accomplishment for a father-son mm-hmm. to experience that. What was that like to be able to share just the accomplishment with him? I think, I think um, you know, going through what he's been through and for me be able to do that, I think consciously but also and subconsciously it's always been maybe why I started playing basketball, like just to follow his footsteps and, you know, and, and obviously when I found out I didn't get drafted like I was like okay I'm I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna you know be the best really I can be and then see how far I can how far I can take it and um, I remember like my dad always asking me like wait but yes but are you happy like do you enjoy playing basketball do you enjoy uh, doing all this work doing all these sacrifices and I always say yes you know I'm, I'm happy that's what I want to do and uh, you know and once he's he, know, he knew that I was happy. Like for him, he was just really, really proud and mm-hmm. happy for me. And to to uh, follow that up about your dad, as of a few years ago, he had not seen you play in person in the NBA because I think he just doesn't like to travel. Has mm-hmm. he still not? He has not he still seen you play hasn't in traveled. Person? He hasn't left Guadeloupe since uh, since he went back when I was three. So yeah, he's not really. He doesn't want to travel. Like he's you know he's. He's just staying there. Mm-hmm. He watches on TV. So he watches your yeah. games. Yeah. How closely does he follow? Is it in every game, or are you checking in weekly? I don't think every game, but you know, when there's a game that fits, you know, that's at a good time, uh, he's, he's watching, and uh, you know, and uh, he he really follows. Like he, he just he just likes, you know, to see me uh, just be happy and you know mm-hmm. live my dream. I think that's for him. That's really. Uh, beyond just basketball because I don't think he watches a lot of basketball anymore. He just wanna see me like just, you know, shine and, and be happy. Yeah. Well does he still ask? Are you are you still happy? I'm still happy. And you're, you're living your dream. You're yeah. living your dream. Okay, so let's talk a little basketball. Because one of your skills, one of your attributes is that you are a great screener. And for a long time, that just meant, well, you're a great screener. But now the NBA actually measures that in screen assists, which we didn't have a whole, a whole uh, we don't have a long database of that. But two years ago, you led the NBA in screen assists. 
So what is it that makes a good screen? How do you work on being a good screener? I think it's one of those things that when I realized how important it was uh, in this today's game, like I, I just started to become really good at it. Uh, started to try to uh, watch film and, and see uh, how I can really uh, give an advantage to my to my teammate and so to my team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and screening is a way of, of doing that. Obviously, not the most uh, not the cutest way, yeah. or not the most it's uh, not real flashy, not the, the most flashy way, but. Uh, you know, we realized like how guys were getting better percentages when they were playing next to me, and how guys were, you know, getting easier shot, and how just giving an advantage to our offense uh, with the good screen was opening everything up for for our team, and and uh, just started to really, uh, um, you know, I remember Quinn, Quinn Snyder like telling me uh, like how important it was, and it just became something that I started to really enjoy mm-hmm. uh, doing, and I started to do consistently and. And um, the key for that is really understanding your teammates' uh, strength, you know, like sc- who you screen for and uh, the tendencies of the guys and where you want them to, 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 to go. Yeah, there's responsibility on the guy you're screening for, though, too, mm-hmm. to wait. You've got to get in your position. Mm-hmm. Like, there must be some communication that has to happen. Okay, this is how I screen. Mm-hmm. you got to Yeah, there's a connection. You know, when you screen uh, with someone, there's a connection that, that, that happens. And... Um, and obviously, like the more you are on the same page, the easier it would be to to get a to get something good out of it. And and those things usually take a little time, you know, to yeah, mm-hmm. um, to really polish. You obviously are a very good defensive player as well, three-time defensive player of the year. Last year, there was a game when Utah came here to Minnesota, and I was in Chris French's pregame media availability, and I asked him a question about you. Obviously, having no idea you would eventually play for the Timberwolves, but I asked him about just you and your defense and how that affects his game scout and his offensive players. And he said, here's the thing about Rudy. He said, he'll, he'll, yeah, he'll block a shot. Yeah, he'll affect a shot. But you know what he also does? He deters shots. He sometimes prevents a guy from even going into the lane and even thinking about it. And I just thought, wow, that is a huge compliment. To someone who prides himself on defense, to hear an opposing coach say, yeah, we're well aware that he might block our shots, he also might make us think twice about even doing it in the first place. How big of a compliment is that to you? I mean, so it's, it means a lot. You know, it means a lot, and that's the game within the game. You know, when um, before the game even starts, the opposing team is, is already thinking about how they're going to uh, try to be more, try to be efficient. Uh, playing against me, which means you already have the other team changing their way of playing before the game even starts. So it's, you know, it's whether it's in offense, whether it's in defense, you know, there's a few guys that, you know, are able to um, to do that to other teams. And um, for me, it just, yeah, it means a lot. It mm-hmm. means a lot and just, you know, I take a lot of pride in trying to do anything I can to help my team win. And this is one of those things for sure. Well, one of the the things that's not on your uh, repertoire probably is three-point shooting, but I do find it interesting that you've taken 13 three-pointers in your career. 13? 13 now. But how many have you made? I made zero yet. Actually, I made one, but it was right after the buzzer. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) didn't count. That's right. But my question is, is that something for a – for a guy that does not shoot three-pointers, and it's such a flashy part of the NBA right now, 
do you think before my career is over, I have to hit a three-pointer? Or do you not care one bit about that? I, mean, I, I know I will. You I'm, will? Yeah, I know I will because I've been working on it. I've been getting better every, every, every year. You know, now it's just about uh, there's a difference between being good at it and being ready to, to unleash it in the game. And okay. You know, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been doing it more in my pregame a little bit. At the end of my pregame routine, I always make like two threes from three different spots. And uh, yeah, I've been feeling much more and more comfortable. So I think, you know, I'm probably going to shoot a few more here and there. And, uh, you know, I think uh, we should see a first make pretty soon. Yeah, so even at this veteran stage of your NBA career, you're adding to your game. Mm -hmm. You're working I don't, on that I don't, part of your game. You know, in a way, I'm the oldest guy on the team, but I don't see myself as a veteran, even though I've obviously I've been, it's my 10th season, mm -hmm. so it's a lot of experience, but, you know, I feel like I have so much more to, um, such multiple more levels to, to, to get to. I feel like I'm only, you know, going to keep getting better and better. You have a, a couple of nicknames, Stifle Tower, Godzilla. Are there others? Are there ones you prefer? What do you like? I mean, I've liked, I kind of like Godzilla. Even though the Stifle Tower, I thought that was, that was cool, but I haven't found a nickname that I really, really, really love yet. So I challenge everyone. If you find a good nickname for me, just send your ideas. But I, I haven't found one that I really like love okay. yet. That so I want like people to call me that. You okay. know? You're still taking suggestions. But I still, I still, I still, Godzilla is cool. Stifle Tower is cool. Yeah. But yeah, I haven't found something that I really love yet. Okay. Okay. You played nine seasons in Utah, and I've been to Salt Lake City many times with the Timberwolves mm -hmm. and for Timberwolves games, and the scenery there is incredible. It's a beautiful city and a beautiful area. Obviously, skiing is a huge part of it, and I'm going to guess that Utah Jazz players are not, mm -hmm. uh, they're not very favorable to go downhill skiing when you play for an NBA team. But did you get to enjoy winter activities? Did you do anything in the mountains or something safer than skiing while you were there? So, yeah, I've never skied in my life. Um, but I love hiking, so I love nature. So I always, you know, I, I live, my house is kind of like in a canyon between two mountains. So I would always, um, yeah, go for a walk or go for a run. Um, and yeah, it's something that I've always enjoyed, whether it's mountains, whether it's, you know, the beach, whether it's, mm -hmm. Wherever I'm at, I'm always enjoying the, the, the day too. And if you go in Salt Lake City and you're going for a long walk or hike, are you like backpack and goggles and all? No, 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 no. So not, you're not, not like in that. It. You're not in it. So I've not, I've went to some pretty big hikes, but it wasn't like camping type of hikes. Like okay. I, it wasn't like I'm. You're not putting a pick in the side of the mountain. Putting a pick and my tent. I want to do that at some point, but I've never okay. really found the time, you know, to, to do it during the season. Obviously, is. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody that's playing in the NBA. Yeah, probably not. But probably in off-season, it's something that I definitely want to do at some point, you know. And, yeah, I love nature. I just love, like, whether it's, like, the sceneries or just the animals. Like, I just love, you know, uh, discovering some mm -hmm. new places. And there's a lot of places I want to go, you know, in the world. And, obviously, Utah was one of those places when, you know, the mountains is a cool opportunity to... Mm -hmm yeah to connect with yourself and with with the nature yeah and your your house is between cliffs like between mountains 
It's kind of like, you know, yeah, it's in the canyon, so there's mountain, there's a nice hike right on the, on the side of the house, and it's uh, it's not on top of a mountain, it's just kind of like, yeah, kind of like in a canyon. Sure, like nestled kind of down yeah. there. This, the view from your house must yeah, be and incredible. Yeah, and it's, it's not too far from downtown, it's 15 minutes from downtown, oh, wow. so. Is this the house where you had a ping pong table? I've had, had a ping had pong multiple? table, in, yeah, in most of I haven't one. I don't have one yet here, but okay. it's so coming. You're, you're still but yeah, very I've, much a ping pong. Everywhere I go, I usually uh, even when I go vacation, uh, I try to make sure there's a ping pong table in the house because I really enjoy. Yeah. And are you the guy that's you have different spins, you have different shots, you might hit one left-handed, so you know, right-handed, different somebody, paddles. Somebody told him uh, my secrets. We got all my yeah. So yeah, I've been you know the, during COVID we. Uh, I was in the house, so yeah. I started just playing ping pong like almost every day. It was a way for me to kind of like clear my mind. And um, yeah, I was able to work on a lot of different spins and tricks and things like that. And, you know, and because I'm really competitive, it's something that I really enjoy. How good are you? I think one day we, uh, the good thing is I'm, I'm going to bring some of the guys to my house. In, in Utah when we go there in two days and uh, we're going to play some ping pong so you're going to show you can, you, can, you can ask the guys in a few okay, days okay okay I think we got some I've beat Dilo uh, I've beat Dilo at Cat's house uh, early in the season but I haven't played anyone else yet but Dilo is, is pretty good too you're a uh, you do you do some left handed shots don't you you're that player like I can play both hands yeah I can play both hands, but I'm be still better with my right. Okay. Um, you owned, at one time, you owned a beehive. Mm -hmm. I still it, do. You still do. So still this do. is at, at the house in mm -hmm. Salt Lake City? Yep. And um, are you, do you go out and put the whole garb on and you got the hat and the net and the gloves? No, I, I never, I go out, but I, uh, I don't put, I don't, I never found a, one like um, gloves or what. Like a How full beekeeper yeah, suit, a net. I never found a suit that fits me. So, to be honest, like I, I never really did that. But you know, I'm still around. I got stung a few times, as you guys probably saw last year. Um, and yeah, we get we get the honey every year. So it's uh, yeah, really cool. And having the bees around is really good for all the, the fruits, for all the flowers, for the environment. Yes. So. Um, you know, it's not as scary as people would think. You know, if you don't get clothes, like, they don't really bother anybody. But you have a practical purpose. You are actually using the honey. And you yeah. said the environment. Like, it, you're, mm -hmm. yeah, it's not just a, a fun little hobby. It's purposeful. Yeah, it's purposeful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think, I think it's great for everything around. And I, I'm a big honey consumer. So I eat honey almost every day. So oh, really? being, being able to have my own... Honey is, is uh, it's, it's fun. It's how, great. How do you eat honey on like toast and uh, in my oatmeal? In my oatmeal in the okay. morning, I do uh, in the tea. Uh, sometimes I do herbal teas uh, at night, so I always put honey in there. So yeah, I just love honey. It's a really healthy. Uh, it's a it's a magical like superfood. So something that's really good for a lot of things and and it's natural. And it can, you can keep sure. honey for thousands of years. It doesn't get bad. So it's, uh, you know, I love it. And especially or organic if you're getting it, like, mm -hmm. from your backyard. 
and it's you're even getting the more, honey right there. Yeah, it's even more, even better if you do that. Incredible. Um, your hair, I wanted to ask you about. Now, you came in here today. I don't think I've seen you without the blonde highlights. Still got a few, but it's we're coming towards the the end of the blonde. Just because some time for something different. I mean, I only I've done it. It was in July when the last time I did it. So it's just that because I don't, I kind of keep my hair on top and I only cut a little bit. Uh, it stayed for a long time. Yeah. It feels like I'm I was redoing it, but I didn't. And now I'm still thinking about if I'm going to do it again or not. Um, but I'm going to enjoy the the natural color natural. for a little bit, and then we we'll see. I did see on your Instagram, and it's been a couple of years, but there was a picture of you and your mom where you were wishing her a happy Mother's Day and you're, you're sitting in yeah. like a, at a lunch spot or something, and the, your hair is green. In this photo, your hair on so, the top So is that was last green. summer. That was last summer, and that was my first time. Uh, so the first time I did it, it was green. So it was in May uh, of last summer. Just trying something yeah, new, or you just, just like uh, to... just for fun, you know. I just okay. I, that was the first time I dyed my hair, and I was like, okay, let's let's, let's do green. Why not start with green? Let's start with green, <laughs> and then uh, and then a few months later, I said, okay, let's let's do just blonde this time. Okay, and now natural. Now and natural now natural for, for now. Okay, your first language is French, mm -hmm. and I think you learned English in school, like around a teenager, twelve or thirteen years yeah. old. Because is that customary for kids in French to learn a second language, whether it's mm -hmm. English or something else, around that age? Yeah, so we, we have a, we always have a, a, we learn a second language, so that's cool. So usually we, usually it's English, and then uh, we can choose the third one, we can choose usually between German or Spanish. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you start with the basics, and every year you get better and better, and uh, I kind of knew that I wanted to, to play in the NBA, so... I've always, you know, uh, tried to really get better uh, quick. And then, obviously, when I was 18, I played professional, and we had, like, five Americans on the team. So uh, just speaking it every day, you know, and watching TV shows in English and mm -hmm. uh, movies in English and all that really helped me to just get better and get ready to make sure that once I, I came in America, I was uh, ready. Yeah, and fluent. And fluent, even though I have a, still my strong accent, you know, I can understand everything yeah. and yes, it's really helpful. You, I can understand you perfectly. Do you have a third language? Spanish. Do you have a fourth language? Um, not really. I mean, I know some Creole from Guadeloupe. Some Creole, I know yeah. uh, I know a little bit of Japanese. Just a little bit of here and there, but I don't really have a, a fourth language that okay. I really speak. Is your Spanish fluent? My Spanish is... I would say 70 to 80 percent. Okay. Uh, I think if I go to Spain for like a month, I would be fluent. You know, I have a very good basics, and I just need to just get to speak it. Mm -hmm. Have you and Pablo Prigioni, have you had conversations yeah, we do. in Spanish? We do. We do. And uh, actually, we sometimes, we, just for fun, we, we, we speak Spanish. Uh, he doesn't really believe in my Spanish yet, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to prove him that it's there. You are seven foot one now, and I would imagine you were tall for your age for most of your life. Did you like being tall? Were there advantages? Were there disadvantages? Um, I've always liked being tall. You know, obviously, when you, when I was a kid, I was just a little taller. So 
for the clothes like we just, just a little to, taller yeah we're just a little okay. taller than others like when i was my, i remember my mom telling me that when i was like four years old i looked like i was six you know but it was just like i, I, I look bigger but i was a younger kid so she said it was funny when i was a kid like uh people would think like, oh is it like is there trouble moving or something and it was just that because i look i was much longer than I, what i look like mm-hmm. and um yeah we would get she would get clothes but if i was four she would get clothes for a six-year-old and it was fine but once i started to get 16 years old that's when i, I kept growing between 15 and 18 uh, i went from playing the three to playing the five and that's when like you know it starts to get tough with the shoes with the clothes and um, that's when I was telling myself like hey I gotta I gotta make it to the NBA because uh, when you're super tall like you know everything is everything is harder to find you know you can't drive a small car you can't find shoes you gotta custom make your shoes uh, your bed I mean everything you know and uh, it, it was tough those years was tough but uh, I was really focused on basketball, and then I was uh, lucky—not lucky enough—but I was, I was grateful to make it to the NBA to be able to to dress uh, better. Yeah. Well, it has worked out well for you. It has worked out very well for you. I'd like to end this interview with some uh, random questions, just five random questions. So just to get to know a little bit more about your personalities. Do you have any superstitions? Um, I'm not a really superstitious person. I just believe in, in energy and I think that you get what you give. So, you know, when you do something positive, I think you, it always comes back in a way or in another and same the other way around. So I think you, yeah, I just think you get what you give, you know, that's, uh, that's what life has taught me and, uh, you know, and I'm a firm believer of that. Yeah. I feel like that is true a lot of times. Mm-hmm. That really is. What you put out is what you get back. Mm-hmm. Are you more of a morning person or more of a night owl? Um, kind of in between. So I'm not a, a guy that wakes up at 6 a.m. if I don't have to. Mm-hmm. But I like to wake up, you know, and start my day in the morning and, you know, be able to enjoy the calm. And, uh, and then in the, in the evening, you know, same. I, I don't go to sleep super late, but I don't go to sleep super early either. So I'm trying to, I'm kind of like an in-between. Okay. Guy. How do you like your eggs? Mm, I like them a lot of different ways. You know, fr- I like fried eggs. I like uh, scrambled eggs. Uh, I like poached eggs. You know, uh, just depends of the the heat of the moment. Okay, so you like you change it up. The yep. heat of the moment. Those eggs are coming, baby. Yeah. How do you take your coffee? I don't drink coffee. Tea. Uh, so I drink. Uh, like honey and I drink uh, I don't drink green tea or brown tea I drink like in herbal infusions okay so uh, like chamomile or like I have a lot of different plants uh, from you know a lot of different places that uh, that I use and uh, and uh, I really enjoy that what is your favorite American food favorite American food Ooh. Um, Even like a good cheat day. Just yeah, like I would probably say the the, the pancakes. Is pancakes. it American? 
I mean, we have sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so some nice pancakes uh, once in a while. Like it's, I really love that. Okay, butter syrup. Uh, I put some maple syrup, or sometimes honey too. Yeah. Whipped cream. Not really whipped cream. I'm more of a, I'm more of a maple syrup guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay, but good I love hot that. pancakes. Yeah, I love that. Good stuff. Well, Rudy, thank you so much. It's been really nice getting to know you a little bit. My pleasure. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure.